Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing and cruising the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we focus on passages and destinations, and in other episodes, we talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And in this episode, we came across an interesting individual, and uh, we're having him as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a little bit unusual is only one of us sails. Yeah, that would be me, Bala. I have over 30 years of sailing experience, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know precious little about sailing. And in fact, I still don't understand why there are no ropes on a board, on, on, a, on a boat, and a sheet is actually a rope? I don't get this. <laughs> so, you know, because I'm a little bit slow on this stuff, I ask the questions and Bela, you try to answer, right? Yeah, I'll do my best. So, hey, today we have part two of my interview with Mark Teason. Uh, you know, just as a recap, in part one, uh, Mark was sailing around on his boat, a very nice boat. He has a Catalina 445, uh, and he was coming into harbor under some rough seas, and he hit bottom. And uh, the rudder struck the bottom, and he lost steerage, so he couldn't steer the boat. Uh, so he was in uh, a narrow channel with some rough seas, some wind, and he lost steering. So this being part two is the conclusion of the story. So if you didn't listen to part one, which is episode 79, go back and listen to part one, um, because I am on the edge of my seat personally waiting to hear the conclusion of Mark's story. So let's get right to it, Bela. Sounds good. Luckily, we went in stern first. So um, uh, we're kind of kittywampus on the beach, stern first, still upright, um, uh, and um, the boat is not settled very much. And it was really kind of scary just being on the boat and it rocking back, um, back and forth. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so we got off the boat and just, um, you know, could get off um, by the stern. And there, it was three or four feet of water. So it was a very easy to, you know, just jump out and right, walk out right. and whatnot. And um, but now it's just a matter of standing there and dealing with all the passerbys and waiting <laughs> waiting for towboat us to show up because i had called them they had called me back they were sending a towboat I'm, I'm, I'm there um at this point the emts even came to um uh, somebody had called the emts so they called to check on us make sure nobody was hurt and nobody else was right, left on the boat right. um so i don't know um uh, half hour 45 minutes i'm gonna go by as we're watching our boat kind of rocking in the waves and uh, the towboat guy calls me and he says, you know what, I'm just around the corner of um, here. I can see the waves out there and there's just no way that we can come get you um, at yeah. this time. It's yeah. just too, too rough, which I was disappointed in, but I couldn't blame them for, for doing right. it. You, <laughs> right. you know, right. it was, we were in a very shallow space and even those shallow towboats would not have been able to get in there in those kind of waves and um, I get it. 
so now we're um, my, so now we have to leave the boat. Um, uh, right? We either um, oh, uh, that's got to be awful. Oh. <laughs> we either got to sleep on a boat that is not stable, which didn't seem like to be an answer. Sleep on the beach, which neither of us were interested in doing. Um, right about this time, a, a, a very lovely um, a couple um, befriended us. Um, they lived in a condo right on the beach. Um, took us to their condo. Um, uh, by this time, we had gotten some dry clothes off the off the uh, boat. We um, uh, the um, and we booked a hotel room change clothes he he drove us to the hotel room and um, um we spent the night in the hotel room i have a um cellular camera on the um uh, boat so um uh, every couple hours i would wake up and, mm. and go into go into the bathroom and and um, uh, bring up the camera <laughs> um, uh, make sure the boat was still afloat um, uh, and uh, um, um, uh, whatnot um, uh, but it was not a very restful um, uh, oh. night yeah, I, I I couldn't sleep a wink probably, right? Yeah. Gosh, what an adventure! Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, so keep going. So um, uh, the next couple of days are really just um, uh, logistics. Um, uh, we um, go to the boat the next day. Um, and so high tide at this time was around three or four in the afternoon. So the towboat says, well, we'll come out at high tide and see what we can do. The next day they came out again, but it was still way too rough for them to do anything. So um, during the day we had gone and gotten our own rental car. Um, uh, now we had booked a, um, um, another hotel because the first hotel we stayed in was a, um, a resort of um, a hotel, which was quite pricey um, for a single night. Um, uh, and the third day, um, uh, they, uh, um, and actually the winds calmed down nicely. Um, um, they, they came out to, um, uh, pull, pull us off. But during the day, the towboat um, uh, people had um, uh, called me and said, well, I need to let you know that this is no longer a tow. This is uh, a salvage. Uh, <clears throat> I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> I had to get him to explain it to me. So as I understand it, the basic concept is the money to salvage a boat comes out of a different pot than it does to tow a, a, a boat. So the towboat people had to contact our insurance um, 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 uh, people, which I have to say, we have Geico Marine Insurance, yeah. and they have just been outstanding during this whole Amama incident. If people are looking for a new Marine company, I would really highly recommend them. They have been very kind to us and very timely about things. Um, so now um, they've changed it to a Amama salvage. Um, they bring a bigger boat um, out and they actually bring two boats and they hook a line up to the stern and a line up to the bow. And uh, I am, and the idea is, is that we'll pull the boat off, and then they're going to tow us back to our home um, uh, marina. Yeah. A and we've even, um, you'll be very proud of me for this, um, Bela. I even made myself a list of haul-out marinas along the ICW um, because I wasn't sure that we weren't going to be taking on water. Sure, um, right, uh, right. We, you we don't know. Out. Right. Yeah. So I had a list of three or four places that um, uh, I knew would do emergency um, uh, haul outs. 
Um, but high tide wasn't until 4, 4.30. Um, and that's when they wanted to start pulling us off. And it took them an hour to get mm -hmm. us off the Emma beach, pulled this way, pulled that way. Um, I moved a little bit, tried a different uh, angle. At this point, I'm on the, the boat while they're towing. And um, I am not a very aggressive sailor. I do not heal the boat um, all right. that much. Sure. This was much more heal <laughs> than I had ever been on um, uh, on, the, um, on the boat. Oh, my gosh. Um, and eventually they got us. And by this time, a whole crowd had appeared on the beach and uh, they're all taking cell phone videos. Uh, I haven't searched for it, but I'm sure it's, it's on the Internet someplace. Um, and they got them um, pulled off and there's our cheers from the beach. And um, uh, the um, and now the big boat leaves and the tow boat guy hooks up and he's um, um, uh, going to tow me up to our home um, uh, marina which is about three hours away yeah. by the, by the ICW. Um, so we, we have to go through three bridges um, uh, behind a towboat. Um, the good thing was, is that in the process of getting me off the uh, beach, the, it, uh, it loosened the rudder. So I oh. could actually, I could actually steer on that yeah. now, which actually is a, is something that you often have to do behind a tow. I don't know if Absolutely. you've ever been told towed before um, but it is not a passive process being towed um, uh, you kind of have to um, I'm stay at the boat and you, you can't use the autopilot because you never know where the towboat is going to go um, uh, so it's you know it's now 5 6 o'clock um, uh, we're in florida um, you know, we're in the near tropics and when the sun goes down, it, the sun goes down. And so it goes from, um, I'm a chilly in the wind to downright cold, um, uh, and dark by the time we get to our home Marina, it's now eight thirty, nine o'clock at, uh, um, at night. Yep. And he, he changes to a, a hip tie, a, a hip toe which means he, you know, brings the boat, um, the tow boat, and we attach to the, the, um, the port of a quarter. And um, now he, he, what he told me was he was propulsion and I was steerage, which kind of scared the bejeebies out of me. <laughs> I didn't want to be responsible for, um, um, for this. So we get to our um, uh, marina. Our slip is like about halfway down a um, um, uh, runway. It's pitch black. It's nine o'clock at night. There's no um, um, uh, moon. Moon, and of course, there's a little bit of drama trying to get into the um, 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 slip, and um, we wake up neighbors along the um, um, slip, and all of them had suggestions for how we do this. <laughs> I'm sure they did, <laughs> and and some of them, their suggestions were quite loud. To um, um, yeah. to be honest, and always with um, good intentions. Always with good intentions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at uh, at this point, um, uh, Alan, you know, has now met us at the uh, dock, and he's on the dock trying to catch a line um, um, for me. He eventually had to say to the people, "Shut up and just let us dock the boat." Um, uh, so it, we eventually get the boat in the slip. Um, uh, we get all tied up. It's about ten o'clock at um, at night. Um, uh, we turn everything off on the boat, all the electrical systems off, and we go back to our to hotel because we're going to stay at our hotel that night. And then the next day we moved back on the um, boat. 
and the next couple of days were um, just checking out systems sure. on on the boat. What, what worked? What didn't work? Um, what were we taking on water? Um, uh, the the second day we're back on the boat, we noticed that there was a crack in the bilge, um, uh, and there was just a very small leak um, mm. there, so that we knew we had structural um, um, uh, damage. Um, we had our diver came over and he dived the boat because one of the things I was worried about is what did the propeller um, 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 look like? Was they actually going to be able to drive the boat to the haul-out marina or um, was it going to have to be towed there? And uh, so he took us, took some great pictures uh, on video for us and everything looked beat up down there, but the prop looked fine. We started the motor. You know, we, we also didn't know when we had the motor on and we're bouncing across these sandbars. Did we suck up any sand sure, in, right. into the motor? So, um, uh, you know, we opened up the, the, took the hose off and opened up the engine seacock. That all looked fine. Um, uh, and um, then we went to the impeller and we took the impeller casing off and, and just to make sure there wasn't any sand um, right. in there. Everything looked fine. We took the opportunity to change the impeller because we hadn't done that for, for a while. Um, uh, ran the motor. Everything seemed to um, uh, be um, um, uh, fine. So now it's the following Thursday. So it's a week after this episode happens. It was a nice calm day. We just took a nice gentle motor. It's about four hours from where we are to where our haul-out marina is up in St. Petersburg. And um, um, I got the boat up to um, um, St. Petersburg to the um, uh, marina. And um, and now we're just waiting. I mean, it's it's hauled out now. It's on the hard. And uh, they've done all their structural um, assessment. The insurance company has um, cleared everything. The checks have cleared the bank. So now it's just a matter of them doing the work and um, uh, getting uh, some of them fixed up again. Wow. What a story. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You know, it it reminds me of what when I've been out in the ocean five miles offshore, 50 miles offshore, it's very relaxing because there's nothing to hit. (laughs) I, I, I have, you know, even if, even if something happens and you're 20 miles offshore, you got a few hours to figure out what to do. It's when you're in these, when you're in the bay or you're in these narrow channels, that's when my anxiety goes way up because man, that's when your margin of error is really, really small. For me, it's much more stressful to be sailing around Narragansett Bay because there's shallow spots, there's other boats, there's all sorts of other stuff than being out, being out, out in the ocean where there's no one around. You can read a book, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's absolutely it it really is. uh, And I think a lot of people don't maybe they don't think that way, but I I certainly I I, I notice it immediately uh, when I come into to close to land. When I can start seeing land, then that's when I start to worry. Because <laughs> when I can't see land, yeah, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so Mark, what, what are sort of the, what are your two or three lessons learned, you think, from this, from this adventure? Uh, um, if, if you're in rough um, uh, weather, go down the middle of the channel. <laughs> yeah. Don't ignore um, routine maintenance things that you know have to be done. You just haven't got around to um, um, doing it. 
Um, uh, remember the anchor. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm still, you know, I still wake up in the middle of the night thinking, God, if we just want to drop the anchor, we would have been uh, better off um, I'm, uh, there. Um, don't worry about calling um, somebody in the heat of the, the moment because they're not going to be able to help you. Right. Uh, right. Right. If you're if you're sinking and you need to be rescued, then that's right. a call to the Coast Guard. But other than that, nobody's going to be able to help you uh, um, uh, yeah. um, uh, out there. You're, you're pretty much on, on uh, your own. And I guess the last thing I would uh, um, uh, say is um, uh, that investment in good insurance and um, a, a good towboat subscription is well worth the, the um, yeah. uh, money. Bela, to get the salvage cost, to get the boat off of the beach was ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah and the sure. and the the, um, uh, the insurance paid that. Um, we we didn't even right. we didn't even have a deductible for that part of it. Yeah. So. You know, as you were saying that, it, it got me thinking about um, all of the electronics we have on board now. Uh, you know, with our our GPS, our electronic charts. Um, the, all the weather apps we have. And I think that mentally what happens is we assume that they're much more precise than they really are. Right. With the old paper charts, you know, if it said it was 20 feet deep, eh, go, yeah, well, maybe it's 20, but you know, there might be other things here. But when you get the electronic charts, for some reason, at least for me, I say, oh yeah, these are perfect. Well, right. well, they're right. they're not. <laughs> it's based many times based off the paper charts. And you, you know, the, if you actually read the fine print on the electric uh, um, electronic charts, they're very frank about the fact that this may not have been updated in the last right. twenty years. Exactly. Um, uh, right. But you're right. You get into that mindset where if it shows up as a digital display, this has to be exactly what it is. Must, must be right. You know, and I've experienced that. With other on, on other people's boats, when the various different uh, weather apps, you know, Windy or Predict Wind or whatever, you know, make some prediction for the wind tomorrow, and and if that's not what happens, and the person goes, well, but my, my phone says it's going to be this. <laughs> it's it's a prediction. It's it's right. not actual. It's based on measurements, but it's a prediction into the future, and I think it's a good thing to think about when 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 we're doing these things that all of these great tools that we have, have made it much easier to navigate, have made it much safer for us to go out. But at the same time, you, you still can't, you can't cut it so close that, that if there is an error in there and you know, there are right. I mean, there've been big ships that have run aground because there was some big rock that wasn't on the chart and all around right. it, the water was, you know, 20 feet deep, but where this big rock is, it was only 15 feet deep and the big ship hit it. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, that to me is a takeaway from our conversation is that the, our reliance on all of this technology is good, but at the same time, it's not as precise as we think it is. Yep. I, I think that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I wanted to ask you a few more questions sort of about that part of Florida and sailing around there. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and and so 
if I remember correctly, when I was down in Tampa, there. Oh, and by the way, I got towed in Tampa as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, <laughs> on a charter. So we chartered a boat, uh, and we were went out into the Gulf, and we sailed around, and the wind died, and the boat wouldn't, the engine wouldn't start. Oh it just goodness! Click. There was, you know, nothing, nothing. And I called the charter company. They sent out towboat, you know, and they towed us back in. Uh, and, and that was, you know, a whole afternoon because we were, we were out in the bay, I don't know, three or four miles, you know, past the entrance to the Tampa Bay there. And the marina we were at was at some kind of resort near St. Pete. I can't remember, Pinoy Resort or something like that. Okay. The Vinoy. Vinoy. Yeah, there you go. Right. That's where we chartered the boat out of. And uh, so we got towed back in. So I've had a boat towing experience, but that was a plain vanilla boat towing <laughs> experience, right? There was no wind. <laughs> there was nothing. Uh, but anyway, so there is there is a an ICW or a, a, a canal system uh, like the ICW on that side of Florida, isn't there? Yeah, it is the ICW. Yep. Yeah. So is it, what what are the bridge heights there? Is that sixty five feet? Is that the same as is the rest of the ICW? Well, in the part of Florida where we um, I'm a, I'm a sail, um, most of the bridges are Bascale um, um, bridges. Okay. They, they, they open. Yeah. Um, so they're 20 feet. Some of them are 15 right. um, 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 feet. Um, uh, there are um, uh, several um, uh, bridges that are at that 65 um, um, a foot. But the newer ones that they put in are um, a 70 foot or 75. Oh, nice. So most of the fixed Amama bridges um, uh, in that part of um, Florida are easy to uh, to get under. And the other ones are just you have to go through. And as long as the um, uh, bridge tender is there sure. and the bridge mechanism is not broken, it's it's an easy thing to uh, um, uh, to get through. Sure. And, and do the bridges there open on a schedule or on demand or does it depend? It depends. Yeah. So the um, if we want to take the uh, shortcut from our marina to the Gulf, um, instead of sailing five hours to get to the same point, we can motor for three hours down the ICW. Two of those bridges are on fixed Amama schedules. One of and they're both on the same schedule: a quarter after and a quarter Amama two. Now the trouble is, is that um, uh, two of those bridges are very close to each other. Um, mm. So you, it, 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 it's about a five-minute trip to get oh. one bridge to the other, but it's a half-hour wait until yeah. um, um, the bridge actually opens. Um, and then the third bridge is is a on-demand. Um, 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 bridge. It. So it, it opens when you ask it to. So. Got it. Got it. And uh, so what are some of the, what are some of the uh, tricks or things that, you, you know, sailing the Gulf is different than sailing in, in other places, I'm sure. So what are some of the sort of characteristics of sailing out in the Gulf versus sailing other places? It is very shallow. The, you have to get very comfortable with the fact that 30 feet is deep water. Um, uh, the um, uh, it's all a sand um, um, uh, base, yeah. So that um, uh, the shoals um, um, uh, change. So I'll tell you a, a story in um, Florida. I um, update my electronic charts every time I come down. 
um, um, here. And in um, Michigan, when we bought the Michigan um, um, boat, um, uh, I'm playing around with it. And the chart plotter had, the charts had not been updated for over 10 years. So I went, I went to, and, you know, I kind of said a lot of unkind things about the previous owner in my head. And I went to West Marine to buy a new uh, update for the, for the charts because I, I, the, the chart plotter was so old, I couldn't electronically um, up, update it. I needed to buy a new chip. And so the West Marine guy is asking me, you know, why am I doing this? And I, I'm kind of embarrassingly telling him that I just bought this new boat. The charts are 10 years old. He goes, they're, right. they're 10, right. they're, they're 10 right. years old? Says, You're fine. <laughs> it, right. It's all rock. In that part of the um, right. um, uh, country, nothing changes um, 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 uh, there. Um, uh, in um, uh, Florida, um, there are certain passes that sometimes we can go through and sometimes we can't. Um, and we we often have to, if we want to go through that um, um, uh, pass, we have to check in with a, um, uh, um, somebody local or um, yeah, oftentimes... Right. Oftentimes we'll call Towboat US and in that area and ask them and they'll tell us, um, um, no, that's shouldover. I wouldn't suggest that you do that and, and um, um, whatnot. Um, I think that's the um, um, kind of the uh, um, kind of the biggest. Um, yeah. What about thing. what about the weather? I mean, the times that I've been to Florida. Uh, I used to go to Tampa a lot on business and I would typically go there in June, almost always there in June. And it seems like every afternoon you get the thunderstorms. Is is that? I I don't spend any time in Florida in the summer. It is too humid. So so I I cannot comment. The best times for us are sailing are in the fall and the spring. Okay. Um, uh, September, October, November are, are great. Um, uh, March, April are good. May, it starts to get a little bit warm. Um, but we do a lot of sailing in December and January, but it can be cold. Um, uh, yeah, you yeah. Know. It can be 30 to 40 degree air yeah. temperature. And then when you're out on the water sure. in, the, in the wind, it's um, actually much um, um, colder. Yeah. So in the in the months you just talked about, the winter months, you don't get those afternoon thunderstorms that pop up. No, no. Oh, very nice. I mean, it, it rains from time to time, but oh, it sure. doesn't. But you don't get rain every every afternoon. Got no. it. Got it. Very nice. Uh, what what about uh, you said it was pretty shallow, uh, and and do you have to worry? I mean, if you're ten miles offshore, do you have to worry about shallow spots or? It no. might only be 20 or 30 feet deep, but it's consistent. Yes, yes. Uh, um, you just have to be get used to the fact that it's never going to get very um, um, yeah. deep. No, once once you're offshore, it, you know, it's a very consistent shelf um, that, that um, goes out. And um, uh, there are an occasional um, uh, submerged um, um, island, which are well marked on the, on the yeah. charts. We've yeah. never had any. We've never had any issues from from that standpoint. Yeah. Is there a lot of commercial traffic, you know, tugboats, pulling barges and fishing boats and stuff? In Tampa Bay, there is. Yeah. And um, so this Egmont Key that um, I talked about is the base for where the pilot boats um, are. And that's where the main shipping line um, is. 
goes under the uh, Sunshine Skyway Bridge, which is that huge bridge that you'll often see in car commercials. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, people, um, uh, and the the you know there's a shipping lane that goes underneath um, um, uh, that up to um, um, uh, Tampa Bay. Um, uh, and so when you're in Tampa Bay, yet you, you have to be cautious sure. about that. At um, a night, when you're sailing at night, we, we do mostly coastal um, uh, um, um, sailing, even at night. Um, you have to be just a little bit cautious about the fishing um, um, uh, fleets. Yes. Now, they're supposed to all have AISs, but they don't all turn them on because that tells their competitor where they are. Right. Um, um, uh, so, 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 um, and during the day it, when you can judge distances, it's not a big of a deal at night. Um, it's hard to tell that yes. bright light. Is that um, five miles from us or is that 20 miles um, right. um, from, um, from us? Yeah. Um, so you have to pay, you have to pay attention to, um, um, to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, is there, um, I was going to ask you something and I forgot what it was now. And so you have AIS on your boat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we have a receiver. We do not transmit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I put a, I put a, a receiver transmitter on my boat. I didn't come with one. Uh, I think the second, second summer I had it and boy, I love that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very handy. Um, uh, you know, even with the, um, a big, um, cargo, um, um boats, um, uh, you 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 look at them and you go oh I'll easily be able to get in front of them and then you you know click on the AIS and they're doing twelve knots and going right. oh I guess I'm not going to cut in front of them yeah, exactly <laughs> and to me the beautiful thing of one of the beautiful things of that is is you know the name of the vessel so yep. you can you can hail them on the radio by name yeah and and when you do that almost always they'll respond. And, and then you can sort of have a conversation of, Hey, I'm going to, don't worry. I see you. I'm going to alter my course or, you know, I, I have limited motion. I can't alter my course, you know, so you can have that conversation. And, and I have my experience and, it, and on Narragansett Bay, there's a, there's a lot of commercial shipping. There's a high speed ferry that goes like, you know, 20, ah. 25 knots that you got to worry about. And, and they're always very gracious and, and, and very, you know, they want to help. So I've always had, I found that to be one of the great benefits. So I can, I can call them by name. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the other interesting thing, since we're speaking about AIS, I, last summer I started doing a, a fair amount, maybe a dozen times. I went out solo. I went out by myself and on my AIS unit, I can program in the name, right? I can't, I can't change the MMSI number because I transmit, right? So that's fixed, uh, but I can program the name and I can actually put a little comment field in there that shows oh, up yeah. when someone receives it. So one of the things I do, and I saw this on someone else's boat. So that that's what gave me the idea was I put in, I put in solo sailor. Interesting. So that if someone sees me, they realize that I'm shorthanded sailing and I'm the only one yeah. on the boat. So at least they're aware of that, whether it makes them behave any differently, who knows, but at least <laughs> I think it's helpful to the bigger boats because they probably go, okay, this whack goes out here by himself. <laughs> you know, we, we need to pay closer attention to him. Right, right. <laughs> we need to pay closer attention to him. 
So, and then when, when I come back to port and I just re-edit that, I can hook my laptop up to it. So yeah, that works really well. Yeah, super. Uh, let me see if I had any other questions. I jotted a few down here. Uh, so you're still sort of waiting. Uh, so what, what do they need to fix on your boat? Let's just get back to that for a second. Yeah. Well, the um, the rudder is destroyed, so mm. they're gonna uh, they're gonna need to source a new rudder and put that on. The um, uh, you know the lead keel has actually separated from the um, fiberglass part of the boat, so they're gonna have to drop the keel. There are cracks in mm. the bilge, um, and so they're essentially going to have to um, cut out the um, bilge and rebuild that whole oh, substructure. Wow. Um, um, right. uh, there, yeah, it's a it's a huge um, um, project. Um, uh, the the guy that I'm working with um, uh, at the Marine is um, um, uh, great, but he ducks the question about how long this is going to take <laughs> every time I ask him. Um, um, uh, so I don't know if I'm looking at two months or eight months or eight yeah. years. I don't know how long it's going to take them to fix this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I it's similar. I mean. I haven't had any major things done, but I, I noticed like I had my bottom painted and that they know really well because they paint a lot of bottoms. They're all pretty much the same. Right. But they've they've probably done similar things to this on boats, but they haven't done a lot of them. And it depends if they can get the parts. And yeah, so I can I can understand that. But that's boy. So that's a pretty big job on your boat. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, that's a shame. Those are beautiful boats. I looked at those uh, Catalina 445s, and uh, I really, I really loved them. I mean, if 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 uh, if I had a little bit more money to spend, that's what I, I would have bought instead of instead of my boat because they are gorgeous boats. And what what really scared me during this incident is that we we love the boat a lot too. And we put a lot of upgrades on it sure. over the last um, eight, eight or nine years. We've installed an arch, which we didn't have before, and a variety of other things. And I'm going, well, even if they total the boat and I have to buy a new one, it's right. going to take me forever to get back to um, um, oh, the yeah. boat that I have now. Um, yeah. uh, but but the uh, um, guy fixing the boat assures me that they'll get us back on the water. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, 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 the people who, who fix boats, they do some remarkable things. I, I've been, yes, I've been really do. impressed. I've seen a couple of boats come into our Marina, which has a great shop, big, huge travel lift. So some commercial boats come in there and some of those are like, I look at it and I go, Oh my God, you can't fix that thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they, and they fix it and they do a wonderful job. So that's great. Hey, Mark, thank you very much. Is there anything else oh. you wanted to share with our listeners before we sign off here? Not, not that I can think of. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, and, you know, I'd love to sort of, when your boat gets finished, <laughs> sort of have you on a, again. So sort of take us through what you learned from that process, right? Because I think people who do have sort of major repairs done to boats, it's rare enough. Uh, I'd like you to, you know, kind of share sort of, here's the things I learned, here's the things to do, here's the things not to do, et cetera. So, once you get to that point, reach out to me again, and I'd love to have you on the on the podcast again. Uh, it'll be a much happier conversation. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, we'll be sailing again by then. I hope so. I hope I hope it's a couple of months, and and by by the time next winter come, by the time you want to go back to Florida, your boat's done. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
Well, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, Mark. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you and uh, Mike, keep up the good work. I really enjoy your podcast. Well, good. Thank you very much. Take care, Mark. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Bela, what a conclusion. I'm glad it all worked out for Mark, but boy, there's some real good lessons here. What are the big takeaways from uh, from your perspective? Yeah, boy, there's a lot a lot of good stuff in here. So some of these we talked about in a, in the part one, and that is, you know, being prepared, think through scenarios of what you're going to do when things go wrong. Uh, but I, I, man, you know, every once in a while, I belong to several Facebook groups, and you'll see pictures of boats on a beach, and, you know, so this is not a rare occurrence. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while something goes wrong and the wind is blowing uh, from the water towards the shore and that's the direction the wind is going to take you. And then the waves tend to push you up on the beach. So gosh, what a helpless feeling that must be where where you're just drifting, you can't do anything, you're on the boat, you, you know what's going to happen. And it sort of happens in slow motion because it's not all going very fast. Uh, and I, gosh, I, it just, that, that, I hope I never have to experience that. Uh, and, and, you know, Mark dealt with it fairly well, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, nobody was hurt. That's really important. Uh, and, uh, the other interesting thing I thought was the amount of help that he received once the boat was on the beach, right? I mean, that was remarkable. So, right? Somebody called the, the EMTs to make sure there was nobody hurt <laughs> yes. or sick or injured. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it's just remarkable, right? And, he, and he's kind of blown up on the beach and, and he had a place to stay and yeah, it just all yeah, sort somebody of, drove him to the hotel, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. It's just remarkable. Right. And, and that's what gives me that that's what always gives me hope for humanity right that mm -hmm. that yes indeed you know re regardless of our backgrounds whatever we can help each other which yeah. i think is really a little important. bit of kindness yeah absolutely so i think i think the other interesting thing is people uh and mark didn't understand this uh, and i'm not sure i did there's a difference between salvage and tow so as a boater for like, a, it's like only 175 or 200 bucks a year, you can buy tow insurance where if your engine breaks down, you, you call this service and they'll come out and they'll tow you back to your marina. And, you know, it's a pretty reasonable cost because a, a tow bill's got to be a couple thousand bucks. Um, so I have that insurance and, you know, so if something happens to my boat, uh, even if you run aground, uh, they, will, they will come and tow you off if they can. Uh, so, so that's called tow, tow insurance or a towing service. Salvage basically means the boat is washed up on shore or it's on rocks and it can't be taken. It just can't be towed off. And that's a whole nother aspect of sort of getting your boat off, off the rocks. And it's typically not covered by your tow insurance. It may be covered by your boat insurance. So for on the boat policy I have, uh, it covers salvage and there's certain limits on that, of course, um, and environmental damage and all that kind of stuff. But for those of you out there with boats, make sure you understand the delineation between those two, um, because it's, because it's important. Having just tow insurance is, is great, but that if you run up on the beach, like Mark did, you're going to be on the hook for, for paying for getting that boat off of the off the beach.
And it sounds like these policies are not super expensive compared to the the price of a boat, right? That's right. So it makes, right. and here in Germany, we're very into insurance. Everybody has lots of insurance. And um, because everybody's insured, the prices actually are cheaper. So um, so it's the same kind of thing, I think, there, that as you're a boat owner and you insure, you're protecting yourself, and you're also helping to bring down the cost of insurance for others. So right. it is to make sure you have both kinds of insurance, salvage versus tow. I got that, right? That's yeah, a good yeah. lesson learned. Absolutely. And a couple other things about, okay, what can I do when things go wrong? You know, Mark asked me that question. Okay, Bela, what would you have done? And mm -hmm. I said, you drop anchor, right? Because right? I've thought about that. And last on part one, I talked about the narrow channel that I have to go through uh, to get the boat back to Marina. And I've I've thought about that and I do it every time I come in. I'm ready to drop anchor if, if something happens, my engine quits. The other thing that Mark brought up that I hadn't thought about, which was really good, was using the bow thruster to steer the boat. I have a bow thruster. A bow thruster is basically a propeller on the front of the boat that can push the front of the boat to the left or the right. And uh, so I got a little button about where my, where my wheel is, and I can push that button, and it'll make it go to the left or make it go to the right. What a great idea for steering your boat. I would, so I instead wouldn't of steering from the back, you're steering from the front, yes. essentially, right? That's right. And it, the bow thruster is mainly used, predominantly used, for docking. For it's helping you get the boat into the dock where you have to align things. So, you know, if the rudder's broken and you can't steer with the rudder, you can try to use the bow thruster, which I, which I think was really, really a good idea. Now, bow thrusters use a lot of electricity, so make sure your engine's running, so you're generating electricity through your alternator to keep the batteries charged, because the bow thruster will wear your battery down uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was that was pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I was towed once in Florida on a charter, and uh, when you're getting towed, I think Mark brought this up, you, you're you're not just sitting back in the cockpit drinking something. It's, it's an active, it's an active role that the boat being towed has to play. Um, so you got, you got to be ready for that as well. It's a lot different than getting your car towed. Yes. Right. You're not, you're not sitting in the tow truck next to the tow truck driver <laughs> like you are when you're getting your car towed. This is, you're an active participant in the towing process on a boat. Um, and as I talked to Mark, uh, I'd love to get him back on the show. Uh, you know, his boat did get some pretty serious damage. Uh, he mm -hmm. talked about that a little bit. They got to take the keel off. They got to fix some cracks. And the great thing about fiberglass is what which is all these boats are made out of. It's a wonderful material, man. It, you can you can cut a big chunk of fiberglass out of a structure, and you can refiberglass it, and it's as strong as it was the day it was made. Uh, and, and so that's one of the great things about this marvelous material that boats are made out of. Uh, but I, I want to try to get Mark back on the show so that we can have part three, <laughs> which hopefully will conclude with him and his boat back on the water. And seeing what next adventure he has planned, but good for him, right? It sounds like he's just about to retire. And probably by the time the listeners listen to this, he'll be freshly retired. You know, that feeling, right? Uh, yep. a little bit mixed, but generally nice. Right. And, uh, and make plans on what he's going to do with uh, this extra time that he finds himself with and hopefully a freshly repaired boat. Yes. Yeah, I hope so. So, Mike, I think we should wrap this one up. What do you think? Sounds great. Listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. And we hope you found the conversation with Mark interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we've discussed or a potential guest that you'd like us to interview or maybe a, a story that you've got to share with us, we'd always love to hear it. Our email is sailingtheeast, all one word, at gmail.com.
Yeah. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button on your favorite podcasting application. Uh, and I hope you listened to part one as uh, before you listen to this one. Uh, it was a good uh, conversation with Mark, both parts one and parts two. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon. Sounds great, Bela. I can't wait to hear what we have coming up next. So from over here in Münster, Germany, we'll see everybody next time. Okay.